I have sleep apnea and I used to struggle with CPAP. Until recently, I hadn't had a good night's sleep since 2005. Do you remember 2005? We used cell phones like actual phones and everyone wanted life hacks. Here's a life hack for anyone who struggles with CPAP. Get Inspire. It's a sleep apnea treatment that works inside your body to give you comfortable, restful sleep. Learn more at InspireSleep.com. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at InspireSleep.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecki is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Gwilda Wiecki's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Science of Magic or endorsed in any manner by Gwilda Wiecki, Relmar McConnell Media Company, its affiliated networks, stations, or employees. Welcome to the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, a program dedicated to uncovering the unified nature of reality and humanity's ever-evolving place as truly galactic beings. For more information on the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, visit us online at www.thescienceofmagic.net. Welcome to the Science of Magic, a place where science and magic come together to transform fact into evolving truth. We're coming to you through the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net, and can also be found on our website, www.thescienceofmagic.net. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be exploring the eternal wheel, a concept found in one form or another within all shamanic practices is the medicine wheel. Various renditions are found in ruins globally, dating back over 40,000 years. The medicine wheel is complex as life itself and as practical as the sunrise. The medicine wheel incorporates concepts such as the cardinal directions, the seasons, relative position of the sun, the elements, stages of human life, and more. All shamanic forms work with the cardinal directions. Practices vary according to location, for instance. The seasons and their influences in the southern hemisphere are reversed from those found in the north. Medicine wheels of the corresponding cultures vary accordingly. Some practices recognize four directions, east, south, west, and north. Others, five, east, south, west, north, and center. Still others work with seven, the four directions, center, up as in heaven, down as in earth. Each direction exemplifies numerous concepts or aspects, for example, East may be considered feminine, 
the land of sunrise, new beginnings, innocence, childhood, spring, budding things, and the element earth. The South, masculine, everlight, active principle, passion, co-creation, young adulthood, summer, growing things, and the fire element. Within this model, we would call upon the energies of the East, or spring, to initiate a project, and the energies of the South, or summer, to grow it. The beauty of the medicine wheel is that we don't have to wait for spring to begin a project. Rather, through the use of the medicine wheel and ritual, we can access the power and balance of spring at any time of year. One of the most important uses of the medicine wheel is to help orient an individual or community to their physical location on the planet and the influences thereof in any given moment. This alignment enables them to be supported by natural law. Natural law is based in quantum physics, or conversely, the other way around. The medicine wheel aligns with natural law and has been used to empower intention through ritual for millennia. This process is accomplished by consciously aligning with one's position on the wheel in the present moment. Power can only be accessed in the present. Once accessing the power inherent in nature and in our connection with it, we can engage ritual to move forward or backward around the wheel. In so doing, we can use the power of natural law to consciously affect a change at the quantum level, accessing past events to alter future ones. We can engage the ceremony of the medicine wheel without being in a consecrated circle of stones on a remote mountainside. Through simple altar work, we have this power at our hands at any time. Built into effective altars are the concepts of the carnal directions, the elements, stages of the sun, the seasons, and life's passages. The medicine wheel and altar work is all about process. By aligning with the corresponding position on the medicine wheel, we can access the appropriate earth energies to support our process. From creating sacred space to helping myself and others through rites of passage, I've personally worked with the medicine wheel in many forms over 40 years. While at first blush it may seem simplistic, it is anything but. The ever-evolving multidimensionality of meaning and levels of universal truth continues to amaze and enlighten me. When we consider it's also a hugely effective power generator, it's awe-inspiring. Working with the medicine wheel is a sacred art, one that needs to be approached with knowledge, respect, reverence, and integrity. Like all great sources of power, misuse it, and you will get burned. <laughs> Our guest this hour, Cheryl Downey, is a practicing shaman and grief healing practitioner. As a former hospital and hospice chaplain, Cheryl has guided those who are ill, dying, and grieving for almost 35 years. She has a BA in Anthropology from the University of Wisconsin-Madison and a Master of Divinity from United Theology Seminar of the Twin Cities. Cheryl has apprenticed with Lynn Andrews, graduating from the four-year school. In, 19, in 2014, Cheryl founded the Sacred Wheel Center for Grief and Healing. After this commercial break, I'll introduce Cheryl, and together we'll explore grief and the universal shamanic concept of the medicine wheel. So don't go away. You're listening to The Science of Magic, www.thescienceofmagic.net. This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO. I have interviewed hundreds of people and stood on the crash site. 
Now on Roswell in the 21st century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long, strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell in the 21st Century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information, please visit my website at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. He is also an expert on crisis intervention, specially focused on violence reduction for the police and citizens, mastering anxiety, frustration, and stress without the use of medication, and effectively preventing and treating heroin addiction. Dr. Williams can be contacted at his email address at gwwilliamsny11 at aol.com or visit his website at www.drgibbswilliams.com. Shamanism is recognized as a method to access the quantum level. Mastery of shamanic skills puts spiritual information and healing power into your hands. Path Home Shamanic Art School, a bonded Colorado certified occupational school, has met rigorous state standards ensuring its director and instructors have the qualifications to teach the shamanic arts. Path Home offers a certification program in blocks of study. Block 1, a five-day intensive, will be held in the beautiful mountain town of Coldale, Colorado, October 13th through 18th. Registration deadline is September 12th. Experience journey trance, power animals, helping spirits, sacred space, and life purpose. Come discover your power. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, in the magical world of shamanism. Call 303-775-3431 or visit findyourpathhome.com. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour, Cheryl Downey, is a practicing shaman and grief healing practitioner and the founder of the Sacred Wheel Center for Grief and Healing. Her website, www.sacredwheelcenter.com. Cheryl, thank you for joining us on the Science of Magic. Oh, it's my pleasure. I, I want to commend you on your much-needed multidimensional approach to grief work. What prompted you as a formal hospital and hospice chaplain to engage the shamanic aspect of healing into your grief healing practice? Well, I think that awareness came bit by bit through all of my training. I remember early, early on, my supervisor asking me what I thought it was all about, and I said, I think it's all about energy. Well, that was back, nobody was talking about energy back in the early 80s, at least in the chaplain circles. And 
so that stuck out. But I also um, I, I started realizing that um, it wasn't so much what I had studied and what I knew about theology that helped me with folks. It was um, like, for instance, when I would close my eyes and enter into a state of prayer, um, certain images would come, and they were the images that fit what was happening with the patient or family members that I didn't know anything about at that point. Or like one time I was called in to visit someone. Um, she was actively dying, and um, I said I'd get there first thing in the morning, did, entered her room, told her, you know, Susie, this is Cheryl, I'm just going to sit quietly by your bed and she hadn't been talking so she was really close and um, so I said okay I'm just going to sit here hold your hand and go into prayer with you and so I sat closed my eyes and I saw three oval bodies of light over her head and I got this little nudge tell her what you see and I said no she's not speaking. I'm not going to tell her what I see. Then I got another one. Tell her what you see. So I said, okay. Um, Susie, I was just praying, and I saw what I think are three angels over your head. And she opened her eyes and said, I know. So that was reinforcement to me that there are other ways of communicating that are outside, you know, what you prepare for, um, outside what you know, per se, that happen in the moment and use the other aspects. And this is where we get into the wheel. It's more than um, I put mind in the ease. So it's more than just what the mind knows. It's what your body knows, what your dreams know, and what your spirit knows. That are three other aspects in addition to that. So we have a whole lot of information um, coming to us in any given moment. How did you learn to tap into that information with accuracy? By just by experiencing it and kind of watching and listening, you know, the synchronicities start happening and then over time, over years, I just start to trust what it is my body's feeling and where it's feeling it. It's it's amazing to watch, isn't it? I know when, when my mother was passing, I, I helped her cross and, um, Towards the end, uh, ancestors of mine, uh, obviously, because she's my mother, started showing up in my mind's eye in the room. Um, And when my Uncle Paul, who had crossed, uh, showed up, she turned her face over to exactly the same place I was seeing it. And she was in the same condition, not speaking anymore. But she just leaned her whole body in that direction. And they'd been very close. And it was like I'm going, whoa, I don't think I'm making this stuff up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, things like that. Yes. And... Yes, and and the beings of light do come, and some hold, like they come and just guard and hold space. Some, it's obvious, are closer into the patient and come into the their circle of energy, which, you know, as someone gets closer, I used to tell people that um, it's kind of like uh, um, Einstein's um, E equals MC squared. Like when the physical body gets less energy, on the other side of the equation, something must be getting more energy. So the more energy seemed to come as I watched in the light that would surround people um, as they got closer and closer to crossing over. And right. Go ahead. Yeah. 
No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so so when when a person is is starting to the the body's frequency is dropping because they're getting ready to cross, I've seen like their spirit form building over the bed. Is that what you're talking about? That's exactly what I'm talking about. You can you can see it. You can feel it. It's palpable. Um, if they're still able to be conscious, and some do talk until the very last moment, um, there's just this peace and anything can come in or go out. I've seen these old guys who are gruff and never said a nice thing in their lives to their kids, <laughs> suddenly blessing them and welcoming them. And it's a very, um, you know, when people talk about being afraid of dying and wonder how I can do the work, and I just say there's so much beauty. There's just so much beauty. It is. It's like attending a birth, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. So- what is a grief healing practitioner, and how does one, how does a person train to become one? Well, I just did. But <laughs> <laughs> I started. Um, uh, well, in the early in the eighties, I I started reading. Uh, my house blew up and burned down in nineteen eighty five. Yikes! And in the, I know, and in the process of. Well, I'm here on this planet because my life has been full of grief-related kinds of things. And so I honor that. Um, but in the process of recovering from that, my husband-to-be bought me the first of many of Lynn Andrews' books to read. And I read Flight of the Seventh Moon. And it affected me so much. Every single book, like and the next one I read made my body buzz for three days. I just knew there was something there for me. So after my dad died in 1997, my mom came to me and said, okay, I want to be able to gift you with something big that you've always wanted to do. And I said, well, I think I want to go to Lynn Andrews School. (laughs) So that was the gift, to be able to go to shaman school for four years. Nice. Um, So what, what are the stages of grieving? Well... You know what? I'm not even going to be able to tell you much because I I don't use them. Okay. <laughs> Stages of grieving don't. I mean, they're nice. They were nice in the very beginning when Kubler Ross did the study, and she happened to do the study at the University of Chicago um, Medical Center, where I did a year of training later with the chaplain folks who actually did the the conversations with people and did the grief work, and then she right. mm-hmm. used that information to former theories. But it was great at the beginning to hang a hat on, like grief is a thing and we can learn to recognize it. But in terms, you know, people start using it as a one, two, three, four, and it just doesn't exactly. work that way. Because it's nobody's, nobody's, nobody's built the same way and we're all different. So exactly. tell me, conversely, I understand that you use the medicine wheel that we spoke about in the beginning in your yes. grieving process. How do you see, how do you use that? How does it work? Um, it works symbolically, and it works to open us up to the different aspects of our strengths at any given time. So um, I tend to start in the south. Um, so my wheel is a little bit different from what you were describing, which is great. I think each of the people in my shaman circle use the wheel with different symbology in the different directions. But right. mm-hmm. um, I like to start in the south because people who are grieving um, – 
oh God, where do I start? A good place to start is empowering the sense of their body again and to not um, engage them in anything other than just allowing the earth to feed them. So like in my retreats, I usually start in the south with just sitting on the ground and allowing the energy of the earth to slowly begin to come into their body um, because the energy of the earth will begin to show kind of like like pieces of their grief can hide in their physical being like shards of a broken right. pot. Mm-hmm. And if you allow the energy up into the body, it starts showing where you hurt. Gotcha. And if you make note of that, you can return to those places and work with them work with them. So um, what I've experienced is people, when they go into deep grief, it's like they're knocked out of their body. And so are you trying to bring them back into their body to be aware of what's really going on? Yes. And to wake them and not to force them into anything, but just to gently coax them back to this nurturing energy that just nurtures them wherever they're at. They don't have to be anything other than who they are then. They can be out of their body even, but if they allow the earth to speak to them, it brings them back gently. Got, yes. Got you. So, so they're aligning the basically the minerals, the, the energy of their physical body with the physical earth and re-entering into cycling in a way, aren't they? Yes. Gr- yes. Yes. And because we, Go ahead. I, I was just going to say because eventually as they make their way around the wheel – the wheel itself is meant to move. You know, it's not a straight line. It's a circle. And simply by going through the four directions of work, paying attention through meditation and opening and um, however people do their inner work and taking it through the four directions, by the time they finish, they have shifted. Right, and that so it that kind of works that way. <laughs> yeah, so it kind of engages the the natural thing we go through when we've lost someone or something is we have to go through all the seasons of a year that remind us of that in order to process it out. Is that kind of what you're working with there? Um, yeah. I okay. It's not so much that kind of structure, although I think that happens. It's. Um, People who, okay, people who have experienced like especially a sudden loss maybe, it's like having a boulder hit them in the middle and pieces of themselves go flying. Mm-hmm. So grief work means bringing back, bringing themselves back to themselves. Ah. And when they encounter like their strong emotions, that's a, that's a cultural um, belief that grief is maybe only their crying. Um, but if they enter, you know, if they start in the South and move into the West where I place emotional flow, um, the, the, the emotions, their dreaming is also there and they will have gotten there through feeling their body first. And, um, once they honor whatever their emotions are, or whatever their dreams are bringing them. And I'd like to lift up the fact that whatever emotion comes has a message. So it's not just sadness. There are lots of other emotions that carry information just for that person that are jewels 
that they can hang on to. So it's not just a matter of going through, but it's getting the jewels that are in each. Well, we're going to have to talk about bringing the self back to the self and finding those jewels on the other side of this break. Cheryl (laughs) and I will return to our discussion after this short break. You're listening to The Science of Magic on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Previous broadcasts of thought-provoking episodes can always be found on our website, www.thescienceofmagic.net. We will be back, so don't you go away. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exome Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, High Tech with Corey Kay, and every minute of the 24-7, 365 programming of the Exome Broadcast Network by calling 712-432-9459, courtesy of TalkStream Live. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 712-432-9459 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 712-432-9459 for the best of paranormal, new age, thought-provoking, sci-fi radio programming 24-7-365. Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting-edge breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real-life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone. That's right. Transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free. While science pursues fact, magic accesses the quantum level, bridging random facts to form truth. As long as science and magic remain separate and polarized, the truth cannot be known. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. Join me on the Science of Magic radio program, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. During each episode, I'll be speaking with experienced and respected scientists and mystics. From astrologers to astronomers, from medical doctors to shaman, the scientific method to dowsing and intuition, we'll weave together information from seemingly divergent practices to promote unity and enlightenment. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, and the Science of Magic right here on the Mutual Broadcast Network. For more information, visit www.thescienceofmagic.net.
I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, a place where magic and science come together to promote enlightenment. I'm your host, Gulda Wiecka. Our guest this hour, Cheryl Downey, is a practicing shaman and grief healing practitioner and the founder of the Sacred Wheel Center for Grief and Healing. Cheryl, before the break, we were starting to talk about two different things that, that I find pretty fascinating. One is bringing the self back to the self. Now, there's this shamanic concept of retrieval. Uh, that's pretty universal in shamanic practices. Are you familiar with it? And how do you see that as interrelating to bringing a grieving person back to themselves? When you, the word you said, for some weird reason, blocked out in my ear. So can you say it again? Soul retrieval. Oh, soul retrieval, yes. Oh, for a lot of folks, that's what, this, what the recovery is. It's, it's going out and bringing back the pieces of themselves. And there are special meditations that I can lead them through when it's really obvious that this is where they're at. Um, the wheel might be, I think it's a slow way to, to recover that. Some people need more work <clears throat> to really go out there and take their time to bring the pieces back. But the wheel is, um, for some for someone who's moving through a sudden death but isn't necessarily traumatized, um, the wheel is a really gentle way to to bring the pieces back. Yeah, but when we're more deeply traumatized, we need to get a little more aggressive. Is that what you're saying? And spend more time, be more focused on just that. Yeah, gotcha. and to hold, you know, really hold space for the person and give them time. Um, and they how, may how? not be all all that familiar with um, recognizing pieces of themselves out there too. So a little bit of teaching. Right, because they, some of it, they might have fragmented off before the loss, and the loss was just like loss of critical mass. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. And oftentimes, the, when someone undergoes a current loss, that's what they find. They find pieces of the past loss. Yeah. Um, and those create the blocks that they often find in the, in the south work, or anywhere around the wheel. They may find blocks from those past losses Got it. sitting in there. So the wheel works as a nice way to access different levels of same of the same block. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Can you describe how unprocessed grief can affect us on all four levels? Let's start with the physical. How do we see our physical body impacted by unprocessed grief? Unprocessed grief gets heavy. Now, I I don't, you know, I'm not. <laughs> I'm going to speak probably like metaphorically about the physical body, but these are the images I have. Um, grief, um, because it's usually um, pain, pain-related, 
Um, that's why we notice it. It's painful. And it can be heavy because over time, um, uh, similar negative energies stick to it. And so I think of grief in the physical body as like heavy legs or um, it can be like a broken heart. Um, so like um, it actually impacts us physically and we start to, oh. uh, our, our, our frequency in the physical level is slowing down because of it? Yes. Restrictions? And the constrictions, and, yeah, blocks, constrictions, energy flow is diminished. Um, we become less energetic. Our right. energy level is definitely impacted. Right. And so on the emotional level, uh, of course, grief is an emotion, right? <laughs> but on, on the emotional level, have you noticed how people will kind of flatline? Yes. And that's a sure sign to me that obviously there's a block happening. And, you know, the way we deal with grief in our culture, I think the flatline can be created just because of how we are around it. You know, we get three days family leave or three days bereavement leave well yeah okay but we're not over it in three days um and the we have a lot of negative thinking around it um right grieving people are like 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 the the plague aren't they to others well i think so and if my daughter and how her friends and and that the attitude they have their millennials have towards emotions it's like they're the the glitch in the computer mm-hmm, and get rid mm-hmm. of them as fast as, because, you know, grief right. is processing. <laughs> yeah, and people don't like to process, and if somebody's processing around them, it starts putting pressure on all the places they're unprocessed, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so on the mental level, what, what do you see happening with a grieving person mentally? Um, they're trying to think themselves out of it. Got it. They, they create thoughts that stop the process because it's uncomfortable. And the mind is likely to create all sorts of scary stories about why you shouldn't go that direction. It's going to hurt too much. It will, you know, you will die. You will. <laughs> so yeah. um, our mind goes nuts when facing a huge healing opportunity. But that's why, you know, that's why I do the work I do because I haven't mentioned it up to this point, but there's deep feminine, feminine energy coming up from the earth to help us make these changes at this time. Right. And grief is a gift. It is a light energy, but people like to make it dark. Um, my experience, even with some of my colleagues, is that when grief starts happening, and in my own experience, I've done it too, when grief starts making its way up, what do I want to do but cap it or push it back <laughs> or, you know. But it's 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 part of life's great flow. Um, the Mayans teach uh, the four mother energies of nurturing mother, which builds and sustains, rainbow mother, which deals with change and flow, and then the opposite of those, which are the dark ones, death mother and crazy woman. And um, I realized that grief work is the rainbow mother which is not an energy that's supported much in our culture because right. she's the change maker. Exactly. But, mm-hmm. but she's the gift to us, and we cannot move from what we had to what our new life is without going through this gift of clearing, cleansing, um, 
rainbow bridge making. Right. You know, there's this shamanic concept, it's Celtic, about um, the... Um, um, how the joy and sorrow sine wave, okay, is what it's called. There's other words for it. That's why I'm stuttering here. But um, in other words, if you can't fully embrace your sorrow, you cannot fully embrace your joy. And they believe that the, the shamanic gift comes from the willingness to deep, deep into our sorrow as well as go to the heights of our joy until eventually you're riding that l- nice line right in between the two, not flatlined, but you're not in avoidance or seeking. And that's what really brings you back to a place of balance, being able to connect with the earth and have a shamanic skill. Have you heard of that? And what do you have to say about it? Um, I'm not that studied with Celtic things, although that's in my future. After all, my name is Downey and I am Irish. <laughs> um, what you said was perfect. It's beautiful. Yes, that is exactly where I'm at in terms of understanding how that works. And um, I, I believe that stepping into the heart of our sorrow, it's, that's where we meet the light. Yeah, that's absolutely. Yeah. So there's all these dark places in ourselves that we've shut down on rather than experience. And it's starting to shut down on our, on our, um, um, on our ability to live life because we're, we're closed down. We're in avoidance and we can't really embrace life anymore. And we're afraid to move forward and we don't believe in beauty. We don't believe that there's beauty right now in this. Yeah, it's sad. It's sad. So what do you think is the main cause of a person getting stuck in grief? I think all of us are to some degree or another at this point. Pain. Mm, Okay. Um, we don't want to deal with, um, because it hurts. It means either remembering things that hurt, fear, fear of being overwhelmed, fear of dying. Um, and it, there is some truth. I mean, I've been taught um, that grief is in the living, in the surviving, as close as you can get to the death. Got it. Got it. So, so, you know, as, who wants to go there? Yeah. <laughs> well, some days are better than others, right? <laughs> so as both a chaplain and a shamanic practitioner, can you tell us the difference between a religious approach to grief and a shamanic one? Um, a I mean, lot of the traditional, um, I just had to think so I could clarify and, and speak from my truth. There's a lot of what I call east-west conversation, which is, you know, how do you feel, and then what do you think about how you feel, and how do you feel about what you think about how you feel, and that back and forth. Um, and that is a lot of traditional um, um, religious counseling and psychotherapy. And to make the, the circle whole, you need to go to the north, the spirit, and bring it down into the physical. Um and one more thing I found in my experience that sometimes religious belief likes to shoot right to the north and then avoid the east-west. And, and what if, does that mean exactly? Well, shoot into, if you, be, if you have faith in Jesus, let's say. If you have faith in Jesus, then you won't feel the pain of grief because Jesus died for our sins and took away all that. So we don't have to feel it anymore. So if anybody does engage their grief process, they're not faithful anymore. 
Uh, okay. That was a big one that turned me on my ear early on. <laughs> I would imagine. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> um, so then the shamanic piece um, it takes everything as it is right now, as whatever energetic pattern is working, whatever our energy holds, and the wheel is a gift because we can look at where we are all around the wheel and discover where we're maybe not paying enough attention or discover what can help bring us balance. Um, our religious faith actually fits into the north and into the east. So we have our dreams and our physical body as balance to those things as well. Got if it. we use the wheel. Got it. And so it looks to me like grief, uh, is, you know, doesn't it hit us in all areas of our life? We grieve the loss of a job. We grieve the loss of a loved one. We grieve the loss of a home. Um, isn't it part of our daily life, really, and we're avoiding it? Going through changes? Exactly. <laughs> How many times a day do we? That's why it's so hard to see the rainbow energy of that engages the flow around the wheel as being stifled um, because it's happening all the time. And yes. the good thing is the wheel can be used for every kind of change. It doesn't have to be the loss of a loved one. Um, anything we want to heal into the future for, you know, we know we're facing a big change. You know, we can use the wheel um, proactively to gather all of our power and our strength to be open to the flow and what comes. And, so you know, there can... is magic in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is a lot of magic there. <laughs> so uh, we're going to have to take another little break. On the other side of the break, we're going to go into the magic of the medicine wheel. Cheryl and I will be back on the flip side of this commercial break. You're listening to The Science of Magic on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net, the place where altruistic professionals of science and the esoteric create common ground for the betterment of our world. You can always listen to previous transformative broadcasts on our website, Our Gift to You, www.thescienceofmagic.net. As host of Dialogue with Divinity, I am thrilled to join the Exxon Broadcast Network and their growing number of affiliates. My quest for a connection to the divine ignited my successful career path as an international spiritual counselor for over 40 years, an author of four books, and well-known metaphysical educator. My clients call me their spiritual mama. So my job is to offer you a radio show to help you grow spiritually with wisdom and get specific tools from guests who are experts in their field. Tune in to Dialogue with Divinity and be part of the conversation with Spirit. My goal, your happy soul. For more information, please visit my website at johannacarroll.com.
Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exome Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, High Tech with Corey Kay, and every minute of the 24-7, 365 programming of the Exome Broadcast Network by calling 712-432-9459, courtesy of TalkStream Live. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 712-432-9459 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 712-432-9459 for the best of paranormal, new age, thought-provoking, sci-fi radio programming 24-7-365. Coming soon to the Exxon Broadcast Network is a different perspective with me, Kevin Randall, as your host. We'll be taking a close look at what is happening in the world of UFOs today with side trips into the paranormal. Guests will range from those who are household names to those who have a different perspective on a variety of topics. No topic will be taboo, but there will be tough questions asked as we all search for the truth about UFOs, the paranormal, and those things that excite us. Sometimes we'll agree with a guest and sometimes we won't, but we'll try to keep the program topical. For those of you who would like to read, be sure to visit www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com and remember to listen to the other fine programs on the X-Zone Broadcast Network at www.xzbn.net. This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO. I have interviewed hundreds of people and stood on the crash site. Now in Roswell in the 21st century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long, strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell in the 21st Century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information, please visit my website at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. What Happened in Benghazi is revealed by Nicholas Genix, author of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. He informs the American people that President Obama deceived them by advocating a strong foreign policy prior to the 2012 presidential election, and Hillary Clinton supported this deception. As the title infers, there is a connection between Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. Ample evidence informs Americans that Obama's early indoctrination in the Quran developed an infinity for Islam, why the Quran is the source of discontent in many countries, and why the Obama foreign policy deception led to poor military action and caused the loss of American lives in Benghazi. Genix provides 36 questions for the Select Committee on Benghazi to validate if Americans are justified to mistrust President Obama and Hillary Clinton. 
An overview of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi is presented on the website www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Afterlife expert Roberta Grimes was the first one to say that dying can be fun. Now her best-selling book, The Fun of Dying, is available in stores worldwide. So if you wonder whether death ends life, how it feels to die, or what heaven might be like, The Fun of Dying was written for you. And if you have always been afraid of death, or if you worry that your life is no meaning, let The Fun of Dying ease your fears and bring new meaning to your life. Nothing said in The Fun of Dying is based on the teachings of any religion. Instead, Roberta draws on evidence to explain how death happens, how it feels, and what comes next. A lot of the best death-related evidence was produced in the first half of the 20th century. When it is put together with recent discoveries, it tells a consistent and amazing story. Roberta Grimes blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Her wonderful book, The Fun of Dying, is available on Amazon and at stores worldwide wherever books are sold. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour, Cheryl Downey, is a practicing shaman and grief healing practitioner and the founder of the Sacred Wheel Center for Grief and Healing. Cheryl, we were just getting into how, um, you know, the the concepts of the medicine wheel and the concepts of grieving and all this stuff really are a day-by-day, minute-by-minute process. Um, it's, you know, being able to let go of things in gratitude, receive things in gratitude. That's the flow of life. How can people use this in their day-to-day lives, just, just the concept of process, in order to live more rich and full lives? It's interesting what a paradox it is to be in the moment and that yet know that it's all in flow. <laughs> it's both <laughs> of those things. Um, I think it's a muscle we develop. And, you know, we all, once we realize the power in that, um, you know, we try to stay open to it. And I think the process of life, at least as a human being on the, on this, the planet at this time, is to just keep bringing it back to that awareness, keep bringing it back to the awareness, and then learn from the times when we lost it a bit. Um, it's like coming back uh, to center, like surfing the wave, isn't it? You know, you start to lose your balance, you got to correct, but you're still on the wave. Right. Well, yes, and so the trick becomes honoring what it is that we're experiencing in that moment. So when people are grieving and they feel like they're knocked off center, the, a little bit of the shamanic twist is, okay, but this is what we honor. This is what it is. This, it's the beauty of what you're experiencing that is part of the jewel. It's not that we have to cut that experience out of our life or make it go away. It's that it is, and it's beautiful. And to stand in gratitude of whatever that pain is because it's a teacher and it brings us information and, you know, and we trust that it shifts and flows. Um, How much do you think our lifestyle with some, you know, we're watching movies, we're getting, you know, spoon fed um, 
information and uh, you know that sort of thing rather than being in it ourselves rather than experiencing our life and our ups and our downs ourselves how much do you think that distraction we have now with with the sort of input that we're getting from the cell phones and the this and the that how do you think that takes us out of the center of what we're experiencing oh it's huge it's huge because it keeps us focused in, in the front of our brain um and and it's a seduction. We can just start, you know, being frittered right away. And it takes a huge amount of energy to come back to center. Um, and I'm not sure we're even being taught all the different pieces. Again, that's why I like the wheel, because it <laughs> highlights the different parts of ourselves that we need to feed and nurture and be aware of to stay in that center. Um, and when it comes to grief, we're just taught so much that... Um, um, that so, scares us. Uh, yeah, yeah. People are people are afraid of. Well, they're afraid of joy too. In a way, it seems like it seems like the media at this point, and I don't mean news. I just, well, maybe that too. But it seems like all those jammed emotions that we have are actually being triggered, um, and we're experiencing them through being spoon-fed information rather than us just moving through according to what we want to do. Are you seeing that? Oh, I think there are memes, what I call memes, all over the place. And yes, and I know that in my shamanic training, we were taught about the difference between borrowed knowledge and our own experience. And to a certain extent, you know, we acknowledge that we learn from other people and we try on the clothes of different teachings to see if they fit. Um, But um, in the end, it's only our own experience. And I think if we stop with just borrowed knowledge and allowing what we're um what we get dished into our minds from technology and from uh corporate belief and um oh just there's so much um even our own traditions um that we're missing what the journey's all about it's to bring us back to our own you know to get us strong enough to be able to make that leap into our own lives yeah, and to live and it and to they, be present on the planet when we do it. Uh-huh, and to use the big hole that gets created in our loss as the gateway to step into the center of who we are. Because mm-hmm. on the, well, uh, uh, there's a, a counterbalancing thing that goes on, right? So if you if you go into deep grief, then the counterbalance is being able to access your joy. And if you don't go into it, you just get stuck. And isn't that the same with life? If we don't engage in life, um, really experience life, go out and be with a tree rather than see it on TV, smell it, feel it, be one with it, we're missing our connection with everything that is. Yes. And yes. And even the slowing down that we might experience with, with grief, you're right. I love the tree because you can sit with your back to the tree and feel the slowness of that tree. But that's life-giving for the tree. The sap moves slowly. So when I'm in my grief, I can sit next to a tree and know the tree understands. <laughs> and then I'm no longer alone in the world because the tree and all other growing things have their slowness and their fastness. Oh. Yes, it helps connect us with the planet. Well, the planet's all about all about cycles and process, isn't it? Yes, it is. And and uh, being aware that we're one with it. That's hugely important, isn't it? The more we get away from our connection with the planet, the more we get away from our ability to be present with ourselves. That's right. 
Yeah, that's pretty scary for us. Yep. Yeah. And uh, of course, when we're talking about shamanism, it's earth based and that's what it talks about. And that brings us back to the wheel that is based and uh, designed around the cycles of the planet itself. So the whole concept brings us back into being present in the moment with ourselves, with the planet and eventually through that with each other. Can you speak to that a little? Um, we, well, yeah, it's, it's again kind of a paradox because in the process of that exploration, we find who we are, which on one end, you know, I've been taught that the first, um, the first stage of power is that we're all alone. The last one is that we're all one. So we do, we engage the process and we come to, we come to experience who we are in our center. And sometimes it feels like we're, oh my gosh, it's, I'm all alone on this planet and where is everybody but the positive piece of it is holy cow i'm one on this planet i'm a, i'm a single person on this planet and look what i have inside of me and that that openness to yourself allows you to then oh and that's the magic somewhere in the middle it switches to oh my gosh i'm one with it all I, i'm already one in all the different places of the universe so the only thing that makes us lonely is our disconnection from ourself, because through our connection with ourself, we connect with all that is. Yes. The universe is within us. <laughs> and without us. <laughs> <laughs> how fun <And> is everywhere. that? <laughs> <laughs> so where, how, before we run out of time, how can people connect with your, your services? Um, go to my website and... Uh, they can click on how they want to connect, and uh, um, they can also call my. That's calling is probably the easiest way, which the number will be on the website. But I can give it here now. I don't yeah, know why don't you give us the number? Six one two two seven two three nine seven seven. And I do phone work, and I do work in my office, and I do retreats and. Fantastic. I, I understand you're in the uh, process of authoring a book on grieving in the medicine wheel. Is that correct? Yes. Grief around the sacred wheel, emerging from the dark. The whole <laughs> teaching around kind of shifting how we look at grief and allowing it to happen and getting down in there. And when you look at it, kind of like quantum physics, it no longer is the same once you observe it. <laughs> or like Winston Churchill said, when you're going through hell, keep going. <laughs> yeah yeah it's about movement do you have um we have a little bit of time left do you have anything to share with people about how to embrace their life um through grief just honor the flow if it if you're experiencing fresh loss the the job is just to allow whatever comes to come um and if you're dealing with past loss that's resurfacing Pay attention to the nudges. Pay attention to where you feel it in your body and just ask for help. If you have spirit connections, other resources, um, you know, reach out to somebody like me who can help you claim it and move through the pieces of it. Um, but, but trust it and go for it. It's not nothing. Sometimes all we get are nudges. 
<laughs> so it's so important to listen to our bodies on all the levels, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, when in process. Cheryl, it has been wonderful having you on the show. I can't thank you enough for being here, and I can't thank you enough for the beautiful work you're doing in the world. Oh, it's, it's, it's what can I say? It's <laughs> spirit brought me here, spirit brings you here, um, and that's magic. It, there you have the magic behind the science, right? Is here yeah. we are. <laughs> All in the same time, in the same place, doing the same thing. <laughs> well, good luck on your sacred path there, Cheryl. You're doing great Thank work. Thank you. You yeah. too. Bye-bye now. Our Bye-bye. guest this hour has been Cheryl Downey. Cheryl is a practicing shaman and grief healing practitioner and the founder of the Sacred Wheel Center for Grief and Healing. Her website is www.sacredwheelcenter.com. You've been listening to The Science of Magic. Remember, you can always listen to past thought-provoking episodes on our website, www.thescienceofmagic.net. We've been brought to you through the X-Zone, www.xzbn.net. Until next time, dear ones, may you be blessed with knowledge and comforted with love as you dance the eternal wheel. Oh,